I'm so glad that you're joined us for this third session of Spirit, Soul, and Body series. I tell you, every session, there's going to be explosions. Really, there's just going to be explosions because there's so much intrinsic to this topic. It's so close to the heart of God. And I've learned over uh, 35 years of ministry that if you're going to enter into seeing God, you really need to preach about things that God's concerned about things that really he desires to confirm. And this is an area that is so close to his heart because you see that the life of a person is in their spirit. And when you enter into seeing who you are, that's when you're going to enter into becoming who you are in the context of your destiny. And Satan has done such a job regarding the church in that he has negated the eyes of our understanding and to such a degree regarding our seeing ourselves as who we really are in Christ. You know that the Shulamite woman in uh, the Song of Solomon, I tell you, the devil did everything he could through her stepbrothers and through the religious authorities of the city, really to negate the reality of who she was in the spirit. You know, in the natural, she was a slave girl. Her skin was literally burnt. And the natural you know, she was a servant. She was a slave. She was subservient. She was inferior. But there was something about her that caught the eye of the king. And when her brothers found out about it, when the religious authorities found out about it, I mean, they, they did everything they could to negate, uh, you know, the reality of uh, the glory within her. They negated her, uh, tried to negate that reality with inferiority, even with vulgarity, even with physical threats, everything they could. But she cried out the more. And she said, I am as the Rose of Sharon. I am as the Lily of the Valley. See, most people, when they hear that, think of that that, those verses are in the context of uh, words describing Jesus. And of course, they are applicable to his personage. But in the context of the Song of Solomon, she is crying that out regarding herself. She says, I am as the Rose of Sharon. The Rose of Sharon was the most beautiful, glory to God, rose in the world. I am as the lily of the valley. I mean, she cried out of her, of the reality of who she was, of the glory of who she was. And you see, the king responded to her cry and said, surely you're the Rose of Sharon. Surely you are as the lily of the valley. Surely you are as the only one of your mother. Surely you are the only one that I could ever love. Wow. We need to understand that if we're going to go on with God and enter into the victory, God has got to have our agreement regarding the truth of who we are. You see, God is not looking for our ability. He's looking for our agreement so his ability could be manifested to us. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? You see, if you're calling yourself a worm and God's calling you a saint, there's not agreement. If you're calling yourself sick and God's calling you healed, there's not agreement. If God's calling you blessed and you're calling yourself cursed, there's not agreement. If you're calling yourself somebody that that you're not in the eyes of God, even though it may uh, be correlated religiously with humility, it's not humility because humility is calling yourself what God calls you no matter what. Hallelujah. I tell you, we're going to enter into some things today that I believe are just life-changing, just profoundly uh, transformational. We're entering in to the precept of cultivation. Now, in the natural, that might not sound exciting, but in the spirit, it sure is. Because if you and I understand that we have a DNA for greatness, that the seed of God Almighty is within us, I tell you what, we would run to the things that cultivate our faith rather than running from it. You know, I, I want to do something to start out this session. I want you to ask yourself, as we initiate this session, on a scale of 1 to 10, I want you to gauge your excitement level, your joy level towards Jesus in general and towards the Word of God in specific. I want you to gauge your excitement level as a Christian. How excited are you about the day? How joyful are you during the day? I don't know. I, don't know. I just want you to be honest, whether it's a four or five, whether it's an eight or whatever it is. Praise God. I'm trusting that at the end of this session, oh, glory.
is going to be higher and stay that way, praise God, the rest of your life. Glory to God. You see, so often we're not excited about Jesus as we should be. We're not excited about our life as we should be because the devil has gotten in. And even though we wouldn't verbalize it, in the back of our mind, in our emotional makeup, there is a residue of reality that says, you know what, this just isn't working for me. And I'm here to tell you, praise God, it will work for you. It will work exponentially for you. It will work for you even as it worked for Jesus. Wow. You see, I've shared this statistic prior, but I need to reiterate it again because it's so sobering and it needs to be brought forth. Out of all people that accept Christ as their Savior, whether at a revival meeting, a church service, or just in the confines of their own home, 80 to 85% of those who have professed Christ in a genuine way, three years after their conversion experience, are no longer even in church. Three years after are no longer in church or walking in a viable way with Jesus. Wow. That's very sobering, isn't it? And I don't like to quote those statistics either, but it's a reality. But why is it a reality? I believe it's a reality because what people know is supposed to work doesn't work in the context of their victory level, their intimacy level. And what happens is they shy away from something that doesn't work. And they regress unto a place of not necessarily denying Jesus, but simply walking with him in a lukewarm or lackadaisical fashion. God wants us not just to do the right things, but to do them in the right way. He wants you and I to be so excited about this area of cultivation. We're going to look into how we cultivate intimacy with Jesus, how we cultivate the Word of God, how we cultivate our spirit. You see, here's what's amazing to me. The person that understands in the natural about cultivation is a person that will prosper. The farmer, for example, when he plants a crop, I mean, he's excited about it. He is looking to harvest. Glory to God. He's looking to the seeds that he's planted of corn becoming great stocks of corn and feeding tens of thousands. The person in the natural who understands, for example, that their child has a strong intellectual capability is excited about rearing that child in an intellectual context, knowing that as he cultivates the intellect, that intellect will respond in, in, in a profound fashion. I had a good friend of my, my wife and I, she came to us one day when many years ago when we were teaching in central Pennsylvania, teaching high school, and she was just gleaming. I mean, she was so excited. And we said, well, well what's up? She said, my, my son, David, six years old, was just tested by the school psychologist. He started to have an IQ of about 160 to 170. The psychologist said he can be anything he wants to be. And she said, I'm so excited. Will he be a doctor? Will he be this? Will he be that? She said, I can't wait for school. I can't wait to read to him. I can't wait to interact with him intellectually with board games, this and that. I'm so excited. And she had a right to be. And that young man today is uh, in the field of robotics, very well known in his field. Uh, just, you know, very prosperous. You see, when you understand the potential, glory to God, you'll never again be the same. Well, here's what's exciting. If you can grow physically, if you can grow intellectually, you can certainly grow spiritually. The Bible shares in 1 Peter 2 about desiring the pure milk of the word that we might grow thereby. And Hebrews 6 tells us to go on to meet, praise God. And most of you familiar with my ministry know that this is a ministry that's certainly applicable to young Christians, but it's a ministry of meat. I tell you, it's a ministry of meat. 
Praise God. I had someone come to me and they said, you know what? I, I teach the ABCs of faith. I think God has you teaching the XYZs. <laughs> well, no matter what, I believe I teach the ABCs of faith, but we do enter into meat. Praise God. But I want you to understand this. You will never grow beyond your joy level because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8.10. Now, here's what I want to get across to you. If you really knew that inside your spirit, listen to me, inside your spirit is the faith of God, the love of God, mm, the purity of God, the wisdom of God, hallelujah, the victory of God, would you really stop walking with Jesus? You see, you are made to hear God. You are made to be intimate with God. You are made to see God. Wow. Oh, Jesus. It's, that's a whole teaching in itself. Glory to God. But you see, mm, you're made to walk in the faith of God. You're made to walk in the love of God. You are made to enter in to partake of divinity, according to 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a little God. It doesn't mean you're going to be omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, as the Mormons teach. But it means relationally. You are going to enter in to intimacy. And through the third person of the Trinity within you, you are going to enter in to experiencing the life of Christ reigning through you, in you, and for you. Glory to God. Just like it reigned in him 2,000 years ago. Glory to Jesus. Now, again, I don't know what that does to you, but it does everything to me. Everything. Glory to Jesus. Now, I want to share two scenarios with you. One of them is very sobering. Another, I believe, will be very encouraging. But I need to share both because we need to enter into this topic of cultivating our spirit, growing in our spirit in a, just a very fearful but blessed way. Many years ago when I was teaching high school, I came across a woman. Uh, I, I knew three of her children. They were um, intellectually blessed, prospered in school, obtained good jobs out of school. And I came to know through one of her children, and, and a number of people in town, of course, knew it as well, especially those in, in the social services field. This woman, after having three children, uh, had two other children. And nobody knew it, but she entered into a, a mental breakdown. She placed these two children in, in a small room, barely fed them. There's no light in the room, hardly any of the time. And when they found the children, one was two and a half and one was three and a half. And they're retarded to this day. And I'll never forget, I met her one time and there was just a blank stare on her face. I could still tell that she was, you know, fighting the ramifications of what had happened. She was institutionalized for a number of years. But I thought to myself, you know, these two children had the same potential as the other three children, but yet are retarded to this day. It wasn't a matter of them not being blessed with the ability, potentially. It was simply a lack of cultivation. Now, I want to share with you something that I really debated on sharing. Uh, but I, I want to share it with you because if you're listening to this series, it's probably because you're involved in this ministry and you know that our ministry is cutting edge. And one of the reasons that I believe that we've entered into the miraculous, to the spirit of power is because we say things that most people don't see you got you have to say the unsaid to see the unseen and i want to say this not in any way in a degrading fashion of course you know i wouldn't but, I, but i'm going to tell it like it is 
Many years ago, one of the men that helped disciple me, he works with uh, International Teen Challenge now. He uh, was working as an insurance agent. And while he was on business, he was led to the Lord to stop at a playground and ate his lunch there. And the Lord had him go over to a group of children who were retarded. And, you know, the retarded are so close to my heart. I, I, you know, I've taught retarded and special education. I, I pray daily for those who are retarded. I, we've seen great success, definite success in the area of the retarded being blessed and helped. And uh, he went over there and expecting the Lord to say, you know, to have compassion on them or whatever. Because he said, I'm going to show you something about my church through you looking at these kids. And they, of course, uh, were intellectually uh, challenged. Uh, and the Lord spoke to the Bernie, to this, to this, really is a great man of God right now. And I tell you, when he first brought the message to me, it was at a Bible study. I was just learning who I was in Christ. And boy, I didn't receive this very well. But he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, uh, when you look at these kids, that's my church as a whole. Because they walk in a way beneath what I have intended. They walk in a way where in instead of walking in dominion, they are being dominated. And instead of walking in a place of fulfilled desire, they are walking in a place of hurt. And obviously someone that's retarded can know Jesus because you know him with your heart and not your mind. But I'm going to tell you something. I pray every day. And the reason I've seen success in praying for the retarded to be re restored is I believe with my heart they're meant to be restored. I believe in my heart the church is meant to be exalted. And you may not like hearing that. I didn't like hearing it when I first heard it. But when I look at the church, I don't see most of the church doing the works of Jesus. I don't see most of the church walking in the glory of God the voice of God, the Shekinah glory of God. I see them struggling just to get by, praying for an early rapture, so because the devil was so devouring them, they're just hoping the rapture comes before they're destroyed. I'm here to tell you this. God is going to come for glorious church. And in these last days, there's going to be a spirit of revival and awakening that causes the church to see who they are. Now, with this, with this scenario, I need to share one other thing. I've shared it prior, but I need to share it again. One of the most difficult but yet fulfilling counseling situations I've ever had. I worked with a young lady who was diagnosed as mentally retarded when she was in first grade. From first grade to 11th grade, she was in a special education class. In 11th grade, she was retested. And found out to have not only an average IQ, but an, an above average IQ, about 120. 90 to 110 is average. And immediately, at the end of her junior year, beginning of her senior year, they placed her in a regular class. She struggled somewhat, but, but made it. Got accepted to a, a major university. And, and did fairly well. And she came to me. For counseling, and of course, her struggle was when she was facing difficulty in school. The enemy would always try to tell her that she was did not have the intellectual capacity to make it. And my job as a counselor was to reaffirm and reaffirm her in the context of her intellectual ability through the grace of God. Well, she went on to get her master's, hallelujah, and very successful today. But you see, the devil will do the best he can. To cause you to be to misdiagnose yourself. He'll do the best you can. I tell you, he'll do the best he can to steal your identity. We've said this prior, we need to say it again. And you need, like the Shulamite woman of old, you need to let the devil know who you are. That you are the glory and the image of the living God. 
And you need to let the devil know, your soul know, and God himself know that you've got a DNA of the faith of God, the love of God, the works of God, the voice of God. I I tell you, you're made. You're made. See, if I could only get you to sing, you're made to hear the voice of God. You've got spiritual ears. It's not because you're some great spiritual giant. It's just because you've been given ears. Hallelujah. A little child, hallelujah, or, or anybody doesn't say, well, I'm, you know, this, I'm something great because I can hear. People would look at that person and say, are you crazy? Everybody can hear just about because they've been born with physical ears. Why is it that when we hear the voice of God, we think that we're atypical? We think that we're some spiritual jab because we hear the, hear the word of God. We hear the voice of God. It's not atypical to hear the voice. It's not able, atypical to experience his presence. If I can get across to you that that's your daily bread, hallelujah, then you're going to come to the table every day. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, the other scenario I said that would be of encouragement is two young men, uh, both of them uh, entered into med school. One of them just struggled to get into med school. Uh, to be quite honest, uh, his dad was a doctor. I knew both these young men. And he just studied, I mean, 12, 16 hours a day. Barely passed his MCAT, got into med school. Flunked out his freshman year. He just, his, his intellectual abilities were not compatible with med school. And he felt condemned. I counseled him, you know, after this. And praise God, he's doing well today because he's in his right field, praise God. Another young man, I mean, just flourished in med school. Sure, he had difficult times, but he's a great doctor today. Why? Because he had intellectual abilities commensurate with being a doctor. I'm here to tell you this. You've got spiritual abilities commensurate with victory. You've got spiritual abilities commensurate with the faith of God and the love of Jesus Christ. And I tell you, how do we cultivate it? Again, it's understanding that you got everything you need to cultivate it with. I mean, the young man who wasn't made for med school, man, he was so frustrated, condemned himself. He, he's, he's really, he's analogous to the religious person. I tell you, religion's a horrible thing. Man, you try to make yourself do this and make yourself do that, and it just doesn't work. But you see, the man that was made for med school, it was an easy yoke because he had abilities commensurate with med school and it was something he could cultivate. You need to understand you're made, hallelujah, to hear the voice of God because you have spiritual ears. You're made to see the face of Jesus because you have spiritual eyes. You're made to enter into revelation because of the mind of your spirit. You are made, hallelujah, to touch blind eyes and have them open to the hands of your spirit manifested through your physical hands. The kingdom of heaven has come. Jump 3, 3, 3, 5, 3, 7, and 8 shares that you've been given a born-again spirit that you might see the kingdom of heaven. Wow. And then that you might enter into it, praise God. Ooh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, as this becomes a reality, there's nothing can, can stop you. Let me give you one simple, another simple example. If you had a young child and you just knew from the way uh, he interacted, uh, you know, his coordination, and you just knew that, you know, when he was four years old, that he would become the greatest basketball player on the planet. On the planet. You just knew by the age of 18 he could go to the school of his church, uh, a choice to play basketball. And by the age of 25, I mean, he'd be making $50 million a year. Would you be excited about cultivating his athletic ability? Man, you'd have the greatest, him going to the best camps. You'd be so, ex- you just wouldn't go out and, and shoot hoops. You'd go out and shoot hoops. I mean, you'd be so excited to be with that boy. You'd love to watch him dribble. You'd be excited about his progress. Man, when he felt like giving up, you'd say, no, no, no. Man, you got a destiny. Can I tell you something? 
We need to see our destiny in Christ like this. So when we fall, we get up. So praise God, when we go to the hoop, we go to the word. Hallelujah. Now it gets to the hoop. We go with excitement. We go in the spirit of glory and victory. Oh, I tell you, there's so much on the heart of God today. So much. I got to share another analogy with you because I got to get this across to you. Uh, many years ago, when I taught high school, uh, I, I, I excelled in running in, in the university level. And uh, when I, I went to teach, they also asked me to coach. And I started a girls team, cross country, and a boys team that had just been there for one year. The girls team that I started, we won uh, the first 50 meets that we uh, ran. We won 50 meets in a row. Only reason we lost the one meet, I lost one meet in my whole coaching career. As a, uh, one of my top girls, my top girl was Jewish. And I, I asked the athletic director not to schedule a meet on Yom Kippur, and they didn't. We didn't have her. But uh, we were one of the top teams in the state. Many, and uh, I'll tell you, and, and the guys team was very similar. But here's what I did when I started the team. I recruited. I went to the phys ed teachers and I had them run every girl and every guy in the mile in the school. And I went to every kid that did well. And so I recruited strongly. But then these kids, they didn't, they didn't know what to expect. And they all came and they said, you know what? We think that three miles is a long run. And I, I, I shared with them my experience and how, you know, how well I did in, in, in different events. And I said, no, three miles isn't a long run at all. I said, we're going to start out there. But I tell you, after three months, I said, we're going to be running six, eight, ten miles a day. And they all said, nobody does that anywhere. I said, you know what we're going to do this summer? We're going to have a 500-mile club. Every day in the summer, there's 90 days. That's about five and a half miles a day. You know, we did that and we won the district championship. We were one of the top teams in the state. Next year, the kids came to me and they said, Coach, we'd like to do a 750-mile club. I said, that's good. You know what we did next year? The kids came and said, we'd like to do a 1,000-mile club this year. That's 11 miles a day. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. We were not better than the other teams. I knew the kids that ran on all the other teams in the district. We were not better. We simply cultivated better what we had. You see, cultivation is the key. These kids began to see that they could run 11 miles a day. They began to see what it would do as opposed to running five miles a day. In our competitions, we always won because we cultivated in a way that nobody else did. Now, I'm here to tell you this. When you got the goods, you can cultivate. Now, you see, if you don't have the DNA, it's not going to help you. And I have had kids that said, I mean, they could run 50 miles a day and they're still not going to excel. They just don't have the DNA to run. But I'm here to tell you this. You've got the DNA. Because you've been given a spirit like an un. Whew. You've been given a spirit like an under the image of the living God. And the devil will do his best to negate that. But I'm here to tell you this. As you walk in the light of it, you will never again be the same, praise God. Now here's some things that I might help you. You don't always feel like, you know, a, a, a thousand percent in the spirit. Usually, as Smith Wigglesworth said, the great apostle of faith, uh, you, you have to start out in the flesh to get in the spirit. What's that mean? It means that usually you don't, I don't feel when I get up in the morning spiritual. I don't feel like a spiritual giant. I got to go by faith into the word of God. But as I do, it will click, praise God. You see, I can't go by my emotions. I can't enter into the, the things of the spirit through my soul. I've got to enter in through my spirit, but to get to the spirit, I use my soul. I'm going to say that again. I just can't say, 
all right, I'm going to read the word of God because I have a mind. I'm going to understand the word. No, because it's spiritually discerned. But I can use my mind. I can use my emotions. So I can start out in the solical realm to get into the spirit. You might not live right on the interstate. But when you take some of the country roads, you'll get to the interstate, praise God. You can't go 70 miles on the country road, but you can go there on the interstate. I'm here to tell you, you can always go 70, but you might have to go through some country roads to get there. You're going to have to start out many times in the flesh to get to the spirit. Second, the Bible says that we grow as a mustard seed. See, a mustard seed is the smallest seed of all. And God does that for a purpose. One, if, if you just grew up into a tree in one day, everybody would be a tree. But God wants us to understand that you have to be patient. You have to want it. How many of you have been involved in, in athletics where, you know, 100 people came out for the football team, but the, at the end of summer practice, there was 30 left. On a job that was difficult, you know, 50 applied, but only five entered into completing the training. See, you need to understand it doesn't come all at once. That's because God wants to see how much you want it and because of the law of progression as well. And here's where the devil tries to come in. See, because it's as a mustard seed, and, and you know, that mustard seed just doesn't grow into a great tree in a, in a week or a month. The devil's going to come to you and say, you're not growing. You're not growing. Nothing's happening. Look out the window. Look, it's not, your finances haven't changed. Your health hasn't changed. I'll tell you something. You changed. Glory to God. The manifestation just hasn't come yet. Believe me, the tree will start to manifest. All right. Now, I want us to enter in to looking at a principle of Hosea 10, 12. It says, so with a view to righteousness. See, I want you to understand it's just not a matter of what you do, it's how you do it. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians that when you sow your tithes and offerings, that God loves a cheerful giver. Really, in the Greek, it says a hilarious giver. I mean, if we really believe the word of God, that God's going to increase our finances, He's our, our seed 30, 60, and 100 fold, we should be the most excited people in the world when the offering basket comes. But all too often, it looks like, you know, we just done gurgling with vinegar. I mean, we're, we're, we're so sad. No, I tell you what, if it's for real, if it's going to work, you need to be happy. Amen? I tell you, it's not just what you do, it's how you do it. It's the same thing with the Word of God. You see, how joyful are you when you get in the Word of God? Now, I want to talk to you about something that's very powerful. I call it the Deutimus Explosion. Deutimus is, of course, the Greek word for power. That when, when you see the word in the New Testament, the word power, Acts 1.8, power shall come upon you. 2 Timothy 1.7, you've not received a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and discipline. I want you to understand, hallelujah, I want you to see, praise God, that glory to Jesus, that when you get into the word of God, oh, hallelujah, a number of things happen. Oh, Jesus, let's let's go here right now. Go with me to 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. And, and I tell you, we're going to enter into some things that just change your life in a profound way. 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. The Bible says this, according as his divine power, there's that word, deutimus, has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Hallelujah. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, Wherefore are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises. That's the, the Bible, the written word of God. That by these, just say it with me, by these, by these, you might be partakers of the divine nature, partakers of his divinity, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You see, when divinity doesn't manifest in your spirit, lust will manifest in your soul. We're going to do a whole session on that. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I want you to understand is this. When you enter into the word of God and simply cultivate it by asking the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you, reading it, meditating upon it, hallelujah, and confessing it, the divine nature 
will be manifested in you. Now, what is the divine nature? The divine nature is the divine nature. The love of God. Romans 5, 5, the love of God, the same love that caused God to send His only begotten Son has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. The faith of God is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Galatians 2, 20, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. Oh, man, you partake of the divine nature. This is a simple principle, but it's changed my life. Two things. One, you become what you eat. And second, you eat who you are. Now that may sound strange, so let's look at it. Man's physical being is made from the dust of the earth. The food that he needs to eat comes from the dust of the earth. When that food is connected, hallelujah, with a physical body. It produces physical strength and growth. Glory to God. I tell you, it's an awesome thing to watch a little baby grow. I tell you, if he does not have a, a whole body and cannot disseminate, uh, can, cannot uh, ingest food properly, I, I tell you, it, it's a hard thing to watch. But if he has a good body, and he has been given good food, milk loaded with calcium, right food, right vegetables. I tell you, it's an amazing thing to watch that child grow, that little baby grow. I tell you, your spirit will grow likewise. Glory to Jesus. It's an amazing thing. I, I, I've had, a physical growth to me is an amazing variable. And it's even more amazing to me to watch somebody grow intellectually. You know, if somebody has a good physical mind, when they are stimulated uh, appropriately with knowledge, their intellect will grow. Glory to Jesus. I mean, it's an amazing thing as an educator. I mean, it's exciting to me to watch intellectual growth be realized. It's an amazing thing. But what is so much, much more amazing is spiritual growth. Glory to God. Now remember I said you partake of what you've been made of. The physical man partakes of physical food. The uh, intellectual man partakes of knowledge. You are a spirit being. You've been born, hallelujah, of glory. And Psalm 16, really throughout the whole Old Testament, the Bible correlates your spirit with the word glory. The Bible says, my glory will rejoice. My glory will praise God. See, your spirit, oh, hallelujah. See, God is a God of, is, is a spirit. The real you is spirit. God is a God of glory. So your spirit is glorious. I'm going to tell you something. You will be as strong as what you partake of. The physical food you partake of, the knowledge you partake of. But here's what's exciting. Because you are spirit, you are made to partake of spiritual things. John 6.63, the Bible says, my words are spirit and truth. John 4.23 and 24, I want you to worship me in spirit and truth. Jude 20, pray in the spirit. Obedience is spiritual obedience. It's spirit, spirit, spirit. Fellowship is, 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 is the fellowship of your spirits. God is the father of your spirit. Hallelujah. Here's what's exciting. You're made of glory. And what you eat of to enter in to faith is glory. Even as you've been made of the dust of the earth, you eat of nutrients from the dust of the earth. Even as you've been made of glory, you eat of glory. The Word of God, the presence of Jesus Himself. And as your glory partakes of glory, it produces a spiritual power called faith. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus.
Hallelujah. John 6, 57 is one of my most favorite verses. Jesus said this, even as I eat of the Father and live by him, that word live is the way, divine life. So he who eats of me will live Zoe by me. Wow. Wow. The religious hate that verse. But the blood washed. Those who are, whose passion is to be conformed to the image of Jesus is it not their mainstay and their hallmark. Even as I eat of the Father and so live, how did Jesus eat of the Father? Through the Word of God, the same Word you have, hallelujah. The, of course, the Old Testament He had. Now you have the New Testament. The presence of God, the voice of God, the grace of God by the Holy Ghost. Wow. I got to say it again. Even Jesus said this, even as I eat of the Father and live, so he who eats of me will live. You've been born of him. And to enter into life, you eat him. Wow. 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 Jesus, help us to enter in, Father, even right now to the fearfulness and the awesomeness of that reality. You see, when the Israelites... During Passover, they put the blood over the doorpost and the death angel passed over. And that's what most people think Passover was, but that was only a part of Passover. That was just getting saved. But you see, Passover was much more than that. After they took the blood of the lamb and put it over their doorpost, then they ate of the lamb. See, there's so many Christians, they think salvation is having put the blood on the doorpost of their heart. And that's an awesome thing. And you've been born again. That's awesome. But they stop there and they've never learned to eat of the lamb. Friend, I'm here to tell you this. They ate of the lamb. And that's when they were healed. Three and a half million people in the Bible says, glory to Jesus. The Bible says, hallelujah, that, that not one of them was sick after they ate of the lamb. Why? Because the lamb got inside of them. And when the lamb gets inside of you, you become as the lamb. Ha <laughs> ha. And there's no sickness in the lamb. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We need to understand that when the word of God gets in you, it is a two-edged sword, according to Hebrews 4.12. It will negate evil. It will negate wrong and impart right. Let, let me give you an example. I was uh, speaking in a church, fairly large church, about 800 people, a number of years ago, and uh, I gave an altar call for salvation, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and anything else I said people want prayer for. And there's a man came up, and there's about 100 people at the altars. Difficult to get it to everybody. And um, one of the pastors, as I was going to a, a man uh, about 45 years old, he said, you know what? This man's come down here for 15 years. Every Sunday for 15 years to be delivered from addiction to pornography. Let's not waste our time. That's what one of the pastors said. I said, well, you know, with all due respect, I said, I, I feel the Holy Ghost leading me to this man. I said, why don't you come with me? So we went to this man and he was crying. He was a businessman. He said, you know, I struggle every day of my life with this. And I got saved 15 years ago, but I'm still struggling. He said, I come to the altar hoping that I'm going to get delivered, but I, I hadn't worked. I said, well, the bottom line is it's not God that hasn't worked. It's you that hasn't worked it. You see, the altar is to be a point of contact for you to make a quality decision to get the word of God into you and to partake of spiritual entities that you might enter in to being spirit, conformed to the image of Jesus. I said, sir, here's the deal. I said, you have a born again spirit. He said, yes, I do. 
I said, man, that's your ticket to victory. And I told him this. I said, you know, did you ever hear of nitroglycerin? I said, man, nitroglycerin can cause an explosion. I mean, it really can take out this whole building. He said, I'm aware of that. I said, your spirit's the nitro. The word of God is the glycerin. When they combine through the Holy Ghost, there's going to be an explosion in your spirit that negates pornography in your soul and imparts purity to your mind through the power of your spirit by the Holy Ghost. Because the Bible says in Psalm 119, how can a man keep his way pure? Is it not by entering in and putting the word of God inside of him? I gave him different scripture verses. I said, I want you to do three things. One, I want you to praise God for that principle of dunamis. That your spirit, the natural, and the word, the glycerin, when it combines, there's going to be explosions in you when you get into the word of God. I want you to praise God for that because you've been made for explosions through the word, through your born-again spirit. Second, I want you to praise God for the privilege to get into the Word of God. And third, I just want you to thank God that it's working. I said, I want you to do this for a number of weeks, and the only other thing I want you to do is this. Every two days, I want you to call the assistant pastor here. In the context of accountability, tell him you're doing what the evangelist said to do, and let him know how you're doing I got a call from that assistant pastor. As God is my will, I mean, in about three weeks, he said, this man is now working with the youth group. His marriage, which was on the rocks, is now rekindled. He's now the one of the biggest givers in our church. He's more on fire for Jesus Christ than any man in our church, a church of 800. And he said, I just want to, he said, I don't know how you did it, but I want to thank you. I said, well, I didn't do it. Jesus did it. It's, the, it's that dunamis principle, that natural glycerin, glory to God. I'll tell you what, when natural glycerin it causes something bad to be blown up, praise God, nobody takes credit for it, do they? They're just thankful for the natural glycerin. I'm just thankful for the dunamis of God, for the spirit, the born-again spirit that's been given to us and the word that combines with it to explode, to both negate wrong and impart right. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. I, I, see, I'm here to tell you this works in every area of life. It works in every area of life. Glory to God. Uh, in our initial session, I shared a testimony of uh, Reverend David Hogan, well-noted missionary, responsible for one of the greatest ongoing revivals in the history of the church. And about a year ago, he, I had lunch with him and our church sponsored a two-day uh, meeting with him. And I knew that in his ministry, over 600 people have been raised from the dead. Now, when people hear this, they say, that can't be. And I always say, well, why? Isn't the Bible true? Jesus said in John 14, 12, the works I do, he did raise the dead. You shall do also greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Matthew 10, 7, and 8 says, oh, hallelujah. It says, uh, go and preach the gospel. And as you preach, say that the kingdom of heaven has come. Heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. Glory to God, cleanse lepers. Hallelujah. Now, David Hogan, I'll be honest with you. In the natural, he was not an apt candidate for ministry former motorcycle gang member. I tell you, just not a good guy. But after he came to Jesus, he began to see himself whew, as the righteousness of God and Christ began to see himself as the image of God. And he said to himself, if I'm the image of God and God did great works, then I guess since I'm his image, I should do great works too. He said this, I began to see that if I put the Word of God in me, it would create faith in me 
according to the verses that I would put in me. I mean, if you plant corn, you're going to get corn. Amen. If you plant, uh, you know, wheat, you're going to get wheat. Plant soybeans, you're going to get soybeans. I'm amazed sometimes people dying of cancer are studying, you know, prophecy. Can I tell you something? Get healed, then study prophecy. Put words in that correspond to your case. Well, he said, I want faith to raise the dead. So for five years, he got a hold of the scripture verses, Matthew 10, 7 and 8, John 14, 12. Uh, oh, glory to God. Uh, numerous verses. Hallelujah. 2 Kings 4, 1 Kings 17, Matthew 7, John 10, 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Just uh, scores of verses. And he began to see this. That the word of God would negate unbelief and put in faith. To the point where after five years, when on the mission field, a young boy died. I believe about nine, ten years old. The whole village was weeping. Yet, there was great spiritual warfare. Because the warlocks and the witch doctors and the diviners of that village... It was an Indian village. Cursed this boy to die. And they were all standing over him when David came. And David took the boy. And through the faith of God. I said through the faith of God. Notice in 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4 it says, By these, by these you will enter in to the divine nature. Even the faith of God. Even the love of God. So David took that young boy, the love of God manifesting through him, the faith of God manifesting through him, not him, but Jesus. And he rebuked death and the boy was raised from the dead under the start of a revival that has continued for decades. Six, over 600 people now raised from the dead. Over 800 churches started were no one ever heard the gospel. Glory to Jesus. To where they're sending out missionaries to every part of the world. I can tell you this. The word of God will produce the faith of God in you. Because you have a spirit made for explosions unto that faith. In the natural if we just said this, if I said to you, out of every million Christians, one Christian would have the gift of a born-again spirit that when united with the Word of God by the Holy Ghost, the faith of the living God would be realized and the love of the living God and the wisdom of the living God would be realized in them. And you were that one, you would so be revolutionized, you would be so excited, you would feel so special that you would cultivate the Word of God with the rest of your life. But because it's become familiar, because we don't have the revelation of its in its totality, we act like it's not even there. And instead of cultivating it, we lackadaisically, nonchalantly run from it. Seeing it as an obligation rather than a privilege. When in reality, it is so profound, so awesome, so glorious, so infinitely mind-boggling of its reality that it should catapult us to the quiet place daily to enter in knowing that whatever we put in, we will enter into a harvest. Glory to Jesus. George Mueller of England in the, in the late eight, uh, early 1900s, started many boys' homes. Many of you are familiar with his testimony. He needed to believe God for money to finance his homes. He could cry out daily, Jesus, give me money. Jesus said, I'll give you something better than money. I'll give you faith to get money. 
See, it's one thing to, to, for someone to give you a fish. It's another thing to learn to fish. And he's got into the word of God regarding finances. The scriptures on finances combined with his born again spirit through the Holy Ghost. And he said at the end of his life, he could believe for a million dollars just like he could a dollar when he first started out in ministry. And a million dollars in his day would be like a hundred million now. Glory to Jesus. You can have faith for whatever you want to have faith for. I desire to have faith for mongoloids being restored. And I've seen Jesus work. But I need to see more. You can have faith for souls. You can have faith for intimacy. You can have faith to see Glory to God, the face of Jesus. You can have faith for divine health. What's the key? Sowing with a view to righteousness. Sowing in the context of the revelation of the awesomeness that your born again spirit is the ground wherein the word of God goes and will always produce. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. I'm, re I'm reminded of a woman who had an inability to become pregnant because when the seed was planted in her, there was, a, 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 there was an abnormality to where the seed could not implant itself. And she was hopeless. And she was destitute. She was depressed. But God did a miracle. You see, in the seed, united, praise God. Hallelujah, was able to be planted. Can I tell you something? Religion is not right ground for the word. Humanism is not right ground for the word. Trying is not right ground for the word. But a born-again spirit is unlike anything in the universe. Because it is only the born-again spirit we're in the word of God will attach itself to. Enter into it and explode, negating unbelief, negating sickness, negating the curse, and imparting the divinity of the living God, the faith of God, the love of God, the life of God. Do you understand that the key to entering in, to being conformed to the image of Jesus, isn't trying so hard? It's not seeing yourself as a super Christian. It's seeing that it's your daily bread. Glory to Jesus. And as you, glory to God, eat your way, hallelujah, to physical growth, and read your way to intellectual growth. As you partake of the word of God, the presence of God, the voice of God, the fellowship of God, the fivefold ministry of God, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, you will enter in to the life of God. How great is the gospel, beloved? How great is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Oh, glory to God. There's so much of my heart right now. So much of my heart. So much, my heart's just exploding. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. What can withstand the dunamis of God exploding in your spirit and then laughing your soul in your body and bringing forth victory. What can stop it? Hallelujah. Oh, glory, 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 glory. I just got to praise him. I have got to praise him. Father, we worship you. For the truth, the reality of a spirit 
that receives the word of God and the faith, even the faith of Almighty God. We worship you for a spirit that can hear your voice, a spirit that can see your face, sense your presence, a spirit that can be filled with purity and strength to where we can bend the bow of bronze and walk in the midst of destruction and not be touched. And we can walk by the desert places and cause them to be alive with water. We worship you, Jesus, for having a spirit that when infiltrated with the word of God is confirmed by the Holy Ghost with the strength of God, wherein we are fearful of nothing and are able to walk as Jesus walked, not being touched by religious devils walking through their midst, but healing all who have need and proclaiming in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation the reality of the goodness of God, the ways of God, and the truth of God. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory and we give you honor. That without you, we can do nothing. In our souls, we can only do limited things. But through our spirit, our spirit united with the word of God, the presence of God. We can do all things and it's Christ who lives in us and not ourselves. Father, we lose the principle of cultivation that your church might be mighty, glorious, that we might have dominion on the earth, dominion in our families, dominion in our own minds. And rule according to Romans 5 as our, we are intended to do so. We give you praise. We give you great glory. We give you great honor in the name of Jesus. As we close this session, the Holy Ghost is truly here. He's truly where you are right now. I've got to do this. I've got to be obedient to the Holy Ghost. I want you to know this. The devil is going to say this is too easy. It's too simple, but I'm here to tell you this. It's simple because Jesus did all the hard work. The devil is going to say it, 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 it just won't come to pass. I'm here to tell you that he's a liar. That his head's split in two by the blood of Jesus Christ and the anointing of the living God that comes through you by faith. I want you to know there's an anointing being loose to you right now. There's someone with brain damage. God is loosing you now. Someone's believing for somebody with brain damage. The brain is being restored in Jesus' name. Jesus. There's somebody that has, uh, I don't understand it, but you've gone under, you've gone underwater and you're pulled up and there's been effects in the context of your, your, your brain and, and there, uh, Jesus is ministering to you. I want you to know where there ever there is curse in death, there is the faith of God through your spirit, through the explosion of God to negate the curse, whether it's pornography, whether it's condemnation, whether it's an inability to, 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 to be fruitful, seemingly, whether it's financial. I want you to know this. If you cultivate in excitement, in joy, and in expectation, it will surely come to pass. I hear the Lord speaking 2 Timothy 1.7. God's not given you a spirit of fear, a fear that it's, that it's not going to come to pass. He's given you a spirit of power, dudamus, 
And again, dudamis is when the word and the presence and your spirit unite under the explosion of the negation of wrong and in the impartation of right. He's given you a spirit of power, love, and discipline. You are able to be a true disciple. A true disciple is one that enters into the discipline of God. The character of God, not being afraid of the flesh, but overcoming it. I loose to you in Jesus' name. The spirit of cultivation with profound joy. Seeing the end of your labors, even as you are being obedient to cultivate. For surely, says God, I have made you. For a sign in wonder among the people. I made you to be conformed to the image of my son. And I have brought it to pass. Through the blood of my son. Into giving you. A spirit like an undermine. That will be ignited. As you combine it. With the word of my presence. And those given you in fivefold ministry. And surely you will enter in to a life that words cannot express, that eye has not seen or ear heard. Even a life likened unto the life that my son lived on the earth. For surely, even as he ate of me, and live by me. So you shall eat of him. And live likewise. 